As we welcome along our vet today, Dr. Robert Stabler. Dr. Bob, today it's death, euthanasia, euthanasia and, and grief. grief. So a very... Bringing us down a bit today. That's it. Let's talk about some serious issues. But it's an important topic and it needs to be spoken about and how people deal with this issue. Very true. Okay. Now, Daniel Carrington's here. You've got a special guest joining us. We do. Debbie Sheldon's going to be talking to us about Great Danes. Now, They're like what, little what, horses, aren't they? <laughs> little horses. So big. Yeah. They are very big. They're pretty much the, one of the biggest dog breeds you can get. But they're really loving. Yes. Yeah, so we'll, we'll find out about the Great Dane. Debbie Selden is from Marlborough, and she's been showing and breeding champion Great Dane since 1978, and she can't imagine a life without a Great Dane. Hi, Debbie. Hi, how are you going, Danny? Good. Look, um, yes, Great Danes, and uh, obviously you love them. But first of all, can you describe what they look like? Um, yes, the Great Danes, they're known as the Apollo of the dog world. They're a giant breed, one of the largest breeds um, in the dog world. They're very large, but what sets them aside from other breeds is they still should display elegance and beauty. Even though they're huge dogs, they still should look like a really elegant beautiful-looking dog, rather than a heavy, cumbersome, mastiff type of a dog. Yes, that's that's true. I mean, how do you make something that, that large be really good-looking but and elegant, yes. but then it goes down to the breeders and what you guys breed, I guess? Yes, yes, it does. And it also comes um, with um, how they were developed, you know, in the early times as well. Well, and- talking about that, what is the history of the breed? Okay, well, they were developed in Germany in around the 14th century, so they were a really old breed. And also um, England also um, were developing them as well. Mm-hmm. So they're actually a combination of the old English Mastiff, okay. which they used for strength and size, and they crossed it with a greyhound to um, get the speed and, and some elegance, and that um, bred them a dog capable of hunting wild boar. They needed to be a really strong um, dog, but also fast, um, so they could actually um, hunt, and chase, and pull down and hold wild boar. And then um, they were also bred as protector of noble estates. Mm. So they were you know, a real a, a protective dog, and they still, to this day, very protective of house, family, and cars. Okay, but every dame that I've seen is just really loving and playful and even cuddly. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, well, they're, they're known as the gentle giants. Um, all that, that hunting instinct is, it is there somewhat in some of them, but mainly it's all been bred out because they're too big to be anything but gentle giants. So they're really affectionate, really goofy. Well, that's what you breed for. Yes. They really breed they, because they're a giant breed because they're so big it's essential that they have really good, steady, friendly, outgoing temperaments. And most, most Great Danes are, thankfully. Well, it's, it's good, and that's what happens with good breeding. I guess in this day and age, we're not using them to hunt boar, are we? Uh, definitely not. <laughs> and, and I'm pretty certain they would, say, they would say, are you kidding? I'm not getting off this lounge to go and hunt boar. <laughs> 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 That's not what I was bred to do. Definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> How, um, being that they are big, can you give us some heights and weight ranges? Okay. Um, well, the standard calls for the minimum height for a female 
to be 26 inches at the shoulder and a male to be 28, but most of the Great Danes are much taller than that. That's just a minimum size. Mm. But most males are around 33, 34 inches at the shoulder. Most females are between 29 and 30. But, of course, you can get really, really tall ones and some that are not so tall. And in terms um, of um, weight range? Okay. Um, males are around between 80 to over 90 kilos. Wow. Um, again, some smaller. Most females are between 50 and 65 kilos. Again, depending on the size of the dog there. You can get a lot of variation in sizes. Mm. But most of my girls here are around 60 kilos and the boys are close to 80 kilos. In, in regard- they, are a, they are a big dog. They are a big dog, that's right. Um, in regards to colours, what kind of colours are available? Okay, there's five registered colours, which um, the standard calls for, which is fawn, which is a, a tan colour and usually with a black um, mask, which is a black muzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, brindle, which is fawn background with black stripes, so they look like a tiger. Mm-hmm. Um, black, which is pure black. Blue, which is a bluey-grey colour, similar to a Weimarana, but more of a blue yes. um, blue tone rather than a sort of a brownie. Mm-hmm. And Harlequin, which is pure white background with um, black torn patches. You can also get Merles, which is not a registered colour, which comes from breeding Harlequins, which is sort of a, a grey brownie background with some different colour, like black spots or... You know, it's, it's, it's only there for just pets. You can't register them. Yep. But they come from um, breeding the harlequin colour. Are there any common type of health issues with the breed? Yes, unfortunately, um, bloat or mm-hmm. gastric dilation vulvus, that's a serious issue in Great Danes. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody knows what causes it. There can be a few um, factors. Um, feeding cheap Dry dog food is not recommended because it's a grain-based. Yep. And with a great day, needs to be a, feed a premium meat-based um, diet. And that helps stop, prevent gas from developing in the stomach, which the stomach blows up and it twists and cuts off the blood supply to all the vital organs. It's a really, really serious health issue. But good news is that you can... Um, get a preventative surgery called a gastropexy, which actually, usually I recommend all my puppy people um, desex and have a gastropexy done around 12 months of age, mm-hmm. where they actually um, secure the stomach to the rib cage and it prevents the stomach from actually twisting. Okay. So it's kind of like an insurance policy against bloat. Um, which is, you know, a really, really good thing because it can be very, it's life-threatening and it can be a very expensive um, experience. And also another thing is arthritis. As Great Danes get older, their joint, they're like old people, they're big, their joints can get affected. And so you just need to keep your eye on your oldies, make sure they've got good, comfortable bedding. Actually, Great Danes through their life should have really good, comfortable bedding and it helps their joints. Well, it's a lot of weight to carry around and then try and get up and get down as well, I guess, especially when they get older. What's their lifespan? Okay, um, well, they say, yeah, between seven and nine years, but um, it depends on bloodlines. I'm lucky enough to have most of mine live to 10, 11, sometimes 13. Wow. But um, they're not a long-lived breed, um, 
but if you look after them really well and you've got a healthy bloodline, there's no reason why they can't get to double digits. Touchwood, I've been really lucky with mine. Debbie, just one final thing. If, if a family is looking at Great Dane, what kind, of, what kind of people would that breed be suited to? Okay, Great Danes are really family-oriented. Um, they love kids. They love their family. They're really affectionate. Um, Great Danes are a breed that don't do well if you just put them out in the backyard and ignore them. Mm. They become destructive. They're big dogs. They can do a lot of damage, digging holes, ripping stuff up. They really need to be with the family. So if you don't like dogs that are constantly wanting to lean up against you and be patted and that you're really not suited to a Great Dane, they really need to be around the family. And they're fantastic with children, but but as with all breeds of dogs, they need to be super outsized around small children mm. because they're so big and that tail is like a whip and it's just at head height for kids. Yes. And if they wag their tail, they get you know they can get whipped in the face or push the kids over. Mm. So you have to be very careful. I mean, the same with any breeds. Mm. Always supervise with young children, but they are fantastic family dogs. They do what you want them to do. If you want to laze around, they're happy to laze around. Go for a big, long walk, they're happy to do that. Debbie, thank you very much for your time and to talk about Great Danes. Thanks, Danny. Please, my pleasure. Vet Dr. Bob, topic you have today is quite a sombre one, but it is a reality. It's something that we all face from time to time. We're talking about with our pets, death, euthanasia and grief. Yes, uh, Dave, it's just, I guess, brought home to me that my brother-in-law died two weeks ago. He was up a ladder trying to trim branches on a palm tree and fell and was virtually brain dead when he hit the pavers. So it's just, uh, you don't know when things are going to happen. So it's something that you should think about. It's like having a fire plan for the house. It's have everything in order for people, wills and... You can prepare for that. Can you prepare for this, do you think? In, in animals, you can. As they're getting older, you're sort of a, a looking and checking and seeing the things that need to be done. You're looking at quality of life, mobility. Are they still interactive? Are they doing all the right things, eating, drinking, weeing, pooing? Are they still, yeah, happy to enjoy life? Other ones just sitting in the bed. But like my brother-in-law, John, it is just the shock um, misadventure, those sorts of things that do take you by surprise. And that makes, I guess, the grieving a bit more difficult because why did it happen? You get angry, you're in shock, you're numb, you're in denial. It's a whole range of things, emotions you go through. They talk about five stages of grief and that's a load of rubbish. There's 40 and you have them all within about three seconds. Yeah. So um, just talking with family and, and things, it's just, yeah, you've got to got to take each step at a time and um, that's why our vets I guess we're very used to this sort of uh, process we're um, trained to do the healing and helping but sometimes in animals we have this option of euthanasia and and just the process of euthanasia is something that you have to talk through do you want to be there mostly it's a very calm departure which is what euthanasia means it's really just an overdose of anesthetic so they sometimes do a little bit of a lick as the drug gets into their bloodstream. They then maybe a bit of a breath and then that's all. But sometimes they can be struggling and crying and weeing and pooing and stuff. So it's, 
you have to be tough and you have to be ready for that if you want to go through it, but it's an important way of saying goodbye. Bob, with so much love associated with our animals as they get older and maybe as the uh, pain starts to increase, is it difficult to make that call when you have to make a call of yeah, maybe it is time? It, it's, I guess palliative care is something that we have become much better at. So um, pain relief and diets to help with older animals and just being aware of all these things, the kidneys or the, the um, liver or something, just not quite working as well. But we can do amazing things, but it's the quality of life you've got to come back to. Are you just still holding on to the pet for that reason? Is it just for you or is it for... Um, the animal itself so you have to talk through that and that's where uh, as vets where we're trained in in assessing the health assessing the welfare and assessing the behavior whether it is something that we should worry about or not it's four nine two one six two one six. if you'd like to call through you'll get through straight away and you'll be able to talk to our vet dr bob we've got marie with us now from stroud hello marie how are you good how are you not too bad how can we help you marie um, I watched a show on television, uh, The Living Room. You know Dr. Chris Brown? Yep. Um, and it was on dogs eating faeces. Yep. And we've got a doozy. Um, and he explained his version of it was uh, when the puppies are born, the mother eats the faeces and keeps the, uh, the den really, really clean, and some of them never get out of it. And this is one of them. Um, what breed is it? Uh, she's an English bully. Yep. And, and when did she start? Uh, when didn't she start? She's eight years old. <laughs> so right from when she was young? Yeah. To me, as a behaviour vet, it's an anxiety symptom. Yeah, she's got everything that you could ever possibly think of in the anxiety department. So the eating the poo is actually a, an expression of that anxiety. Mm. It can be vitamin deficiency in some animals, can be worms in other animals. So no, they're wormed all the time. Yeah. Inner health capsules, probiotics are a good way that sometimes... Are just... So it's something that helps to... Um, yeah, just maybe if it's just uh, an intestinal problem, it can be that either they saw another dog do it. The classic um, animal that is a coprophagic, which is eating poo, is a, a female Labrador. They are quite renowned for it. Are they? Yeah, they just tend to do that. It is partly that, as Chris said, the cleaning up the um, the the den for the puppies, but. In my experience doing behaviour, it's something that sort of flares up from time to time. It can be associated with a jobs change or new neighbours. So the important thing is to feed two or three times a day. Take them for a walk straight after you feed them so that as that, that food starts to fill up the bowel, then that gets the whole bowel working and then hopefully they'll do a, a, a poo on the walk and that way you can pick it up straight away. There's no point trying to put... Cap, uh, Tabasco sauce or pepper on any of the poo in the yard. Just pick up the poo every day as soon as you find it. And um, But if it's not improving, we need to deal with some of the other anxiety symptoms um, to help to reduce the eating of the poo. All right, good luck with that. Now we've got from Ties Hill, Tracy with us. Tracy, yeah. how can we help you? Well, I have a two-and-a-half-year-old male, Jack Russell, and he just hates anyone that comes to the door. He's attacking the door. He's yep. attacking our feet when we go to the door to answer it so I don't know what to do with him and if anyone comes near me if they're going to touch me yep. or anything he like attacks them so yeah. I don't know whether it's 
he's my boyfriend or what? And he's been de-sexed, Tracy? Yeah, he's been de-sexed. Yeah. Jack Russells are very excitable characters. Um, yep. My brother had one and, yeah, I could tell you lots of stories, <laughs> but we won't have time for that. But they are very reactive. And so the important thing with any greeting is people coming to the door. I would actually put the dog outside. Right. Let the people greeting be over and done with. Hello, how are you going? Come in, do you want a cup of tea? And if we're there then and the dog's there, it's just really reflecting our excitement or anxiety or uncertainty about people coming to the door. Right. So it's important to actually separate them from that, that process. Yeah. Uh, alternative to that, if they're just going to bark and, and bark the house down, then put them on a lead. Open the door, but move them away from the door. I go, I go to the back of the, the next room or something. Mm. So they're at a distance from that actual entry and greeting ritual. Yep. And ask them to be calm. The more we breathe deeply, the more calm we are, the more the animal reflects our body language and body chemistry change. Yep. So um, the process of helping him get to get used to the door is, yeah, go up to the door, pay him to sit, stay, drop with treats. If yep. you can't even get to the door before he starts getting silly, start at, at the kitchen. Right. <laughs> Practice basic calming um, training as far away from the door as you can. Yep. Gradually get closer so yep. that he's able to actually settle and be good and be calm. Yep. And then open and close the door, put some music on that helps to keep you calm and him calm. Because yep. the moment we start to think about these things, we get anxious. Yeah. And and I guess when I arrive at people's houses as a behaviour vet, I actually, you can see the people. They're not quite shaking, but they're very you know very tense. And and so that's what happens when people greet at the door. So try and calm things down. Be as um, as reassuring as you can be. But if he's just not able to cope, better for him to be outside. When people are coming up to you better for him to be actually on the ground, on lead, and so around behind some furniture so he's not practising the problem of of being possessive of you. Got a special story today in the paper relevant to the RSPCA, Bob. Yes, uh, they've put out a, a note in the Maitland Mercury just saying that they're full. So 120 cages all, all full up with dogs. So it is spring, so we've got lots of animals that are around. There's a fascinating variety of animals always at the RSPCA. Um, we rely on rescue groups and, and foster carers, and sometimes we just get overwhelmed. So uh, from September 4 till September 6, half price sale. So that's of, this weekend. Yes, a big weekend. Yeah. Of, of, of animals, and they're microchip, vaccinated, desexed, wormed, heartworm, negative, um, flea prevention. So you really, yeah. that's a good deal. And the animals have been behaviour assessed and checked by our, our vets and we need to, to get them into good homes so that people can have fun because it's just amazing owning animals, you know. They yeah. really are a part of our lives. They give us so many things. They really do tolerate our little foibles too. It's just the more houses I go to, the, the more amazed um, at, at what animals put well, up with. take a dog from RSPCA, say, long to acclimatise to your house and your household? We think about two to eight weeks. Yeah. Um, some that are a little bit um, yeah, pushy perhaps, they might sort of be very nice for the first six weeks and then um, have a little coup and take over. Other ones, yeah, they just settle right in. As we're talking about Great Danes before, greyhounds, lounge lizards. They really, as long as you give a bit of interaction and, and walk and play and, and a bit of cuddling time, they survive really well. So other animals, yeah, a bit of a herding dog, you need to make sure you run it for 
not necessarily 40 kilometres a day is what I usually say, but you need to interact and keep the brain and the body busy. So really important to get up to the RSPCA and find a, an animal a home because it's looking for you. So well, you some, need to go look for it. Some of the pets have been there for a, a little while, actually, because it yeah. mentions in the story about Rocky, who's a Rottweiler, and he's three years old and he's been there for 12 months. Mm. So that's a while. Yeah, yeah. So it'd be nice to find a home. That's him. right. Black animals are less likely to be adopted. And when I think about this, I think it's just we have trouble um, watching and seeing their body language and seeing what they're thinking about and what they're doing. So um, black greyhounds, black cats, also very similar. So if you have a black fetish, then these are the animals for you. Now, also this time each week, we like to check in on our Pet Rescue Animal of the Week. All the details are on the 2NURFM website. What have we got today? Dave, we've got a pussy cat. Yes. Um, now, we were thinking, like, what, what, how, D-I-A. We think it's pronounced D, um, dire. No, dear, not dear. dire. Is it dear? Dear, not dire. That's dear, right. Dear, yeah. <laughs> I think dear. Dear. Something, something to do with English language. Yeah. Dear, like see a dear. Okay, That's it, I yeah. get it. I get it. She's only 10 months old. Um, female cat. She's very sweet. She's very pretty and she's tricolour. So she, she's white, tan and black. Um, she's a very loving girl, loves to snuggle and sit on your lap while you're watching some TV. She can also be a bit cheeky and she loves to have fun during the day. She can sometimes play a little bit hard, but she's very obedient when she's told to just settle down. She will and she'll stop being so hard, but she loves to get that bit of attention and, and play with you or also sit on your lap. Um, she's fine with other cats and also fine with, with dogs. If you do want some more information on her, you can contact Anita on 0400107603 and we also do have a photo of her up on the 2 in your RFM webpage in our pet, pet chat section. Okay, and you can have a look at her in the photos there and all the details about her. That's just go to the 2 in your RFM pet chat section and all the details are there. In beautiful Western, how are you today, Steve? Very well, thank you. How Tell us about your dog. Um, we've had um, our two Dalmatians uh, for about 10 years. Yep. And uh, look, over the years they have been eating their droppings and um, we had a vet come over to the house to give them some injections and uh, we explained that to, to him. And he said pineapple. And uh, we said we've been um, using canned pineapple. And he said, no, steer away from that because it's full of sugar. So um, we went and bought fresh pineapple and uh, chop it up and give it to the dogs. They've both got very ferocious appetites. And uh, it has worked probably 80%. It's been fantastic. Mm. Yep, heard, heard that one before. And there's also various enzymes that we've tried in the past over the, over the 30 years I've been a vet. There's been various... Uh, things associated with it but um yeah it's certainly it's you need to try a number of different Mm. things because Mm. it is a difficult one but as said from a behavior vet anxiety is a big cause so we have to help them to feel more settled and happy in the home all right thank you for the tip there steve good one now garden suburb ken is with us yeah how can we help you ken i've got two collies collie ruffs yep and whenever i start the lawnmower or the whippersnip they go sort of a bit of berserk and sort of attack each other yeah they don't do any real damage but and they don't go for the mower or the whippersnipper? Uh, yeah, occasionally one of them goes for that as well. Yeah. Partly the noise and the arousal and the excitement is why yeah. they get carried away. Same as two dogs going at another dog underneath a fence. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, one starts, the other one continues. Yeah. Far better just to keep them inside or away from the mower. Yeah. Um, have had some unpleasant stories of trying to put dogs... Um, 
noses back on with chainsaws and whippersnippers. <laughs> so it's it's certainly something yeah. to be very careful of. Yeah, yeah. But it is just excitement, wheeled yeah. objects. Um, yeah, herding dogs also tend to love chasing the wheelie bin. It's our rubbish, guys. There's no need. It's okay. Protect the computer, not the wheelie bin. Yeah. But yeah, just uh, interrupt, redirect, help them to be a little bit more settled. Or if someone can hold them on lead at a distance from yeah. the mower, that would yeah. be a bit better. Okay, then. Thanks, Ken. Okay, Bye. Thanks very much. Bye. Yeah, so you think it's more the sound of the mower? It's the arousal, the excitement. Skateboard's the same thing. It's that yeah. sudden, intermittent, and the sound of wheels, um, teenage hoodies. It's just the whole association and arousal. And, and it's, it's, it's why self-control is one of those things that we have to learn, and we have to help our animals to learn that too. Okay. Now, Louise is with us from Edgeworth. Hello, Louise. Hello. How are you today? I'm very well. Um, my problem is I'm minding for my grandson, a four-year-old Staffy. Yep. Now, in the last six weeks, he's just started to climb fences, dig under fences uh, to get out, and he's crying all the time. And I'm just wondering, um, you know, he knows he's in trouble. He knows he's not allowed to do it. We've raised the fences another metre higher, and I've just come home today and he's climbed it again. Unfortunately, raising the fence is not going to be much of a, a problem. Staffies either go through, under or over. If you do raise the fence, it's like the freeway fencing, so it needs to be floppy towards the inside, so when the animal goes up towards the top, it can't hang on. Uh-huh. But it's, um, yeah, raise, bringing them higher is not, much of a, uh, it's not going to help much. The big thing is trying to understand why he is doing it. Is he uh, missing um, your grandson? Is he not getting enough walks? Is he not using his brain for good so that he gets a bit carried away? So no, we need to. He's never home alone very much. There's always no. someone around. Very important Grandson to interact with him. Yeah. And doesn't come and see him very often. Yep. So um, needs mental and physical challenge to keep his brain busy on good things. Otherwise, he's going to go to the default escape. Just check around the neighbourhood to check there's no renovations going on. A lot of inner city suburbs I'm seeing, uh, a lot of noise from like nail guns really affecting the local dogs. So um, just check around the local area and try and find out why it might be over the top. If it's not improving, you need to get a good checkup at your regular vet and see if there's no um, medical problems that might be causing it. All right. Thank you so much for your call there, Louise, and thanks to all our callers today here on Pet Chat. Now, we do have dog shows this weekend, don't we? We do at the Hillsborough Dog Show Grounds. There's some dog shows there, so if you did want to have a look at some purebred dogs and also talk to the breeders of the dogs, that's a place to go. Great opportunity to go and do that. Mm. If you are considering a dog for yourself, go and talk to them and They'll even probably suss you out to see if you suit their dog breed, won't That's they? true. Yes. Assessment happening on both, on yeah. both fields. That's Which right. is not a bad thing. That's a good thing to do. Very good, it's and I like to see. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Now, just before we go, it has been a, a great topic, and we, I don't think we've ever touched on it before, your topic today. Anything you'd like to finish up on with that? I think the important thing about death and euthanasia and grief is to you really need to talk to people who understand what you're going through. The pet owners, other people who are sympathetic, empathetic with you, other people go, what's your problem? You know, they'll be unpleasant. So you need to spend the time talking it through. Vet, vet nurses are there to help. And it is a very difficult time. So you need to invest that time in, in working it through. All right. That is Pet Chat. Thank you very much, Dr. Robert Stabler. Back Thanks. in a couple of weeks' time. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, Daniel Goodbye. Carrington. Goodbye. Carrington.